Mrs. Kurt, who are you? Who are you expecting? Do you drive a white T-Bird? A white 56. I saw you on Third Street. Woo! Kurt? Who are you? Do you know me? Of course. How do you know me? It's not important. It's important! It's important to me. You're the most beautiful, exciting thing I've ever seen in my life, and I don't know anything about you. Listen, listen, listen. Uh, um, uh, could we meet someplace? I cross Third Street. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Hey, welcome. I know you're kind of busy just now, but I want to tell you some things I never told you. I know sometimes I act stupid and I say stupid things. But you kept me around, and other people would have said, drop that bum. You give me respect. You know, it's hard for me to say these kind of things, because that ain't my way. But if I could just unzip myself and step out and be someone else, I want to be you. You're a little hot, Rock. That's good. Now bless this guy's teeth out. I'll try. are here with Matt Howell. Chris looks very confused. And this week on the first run, <laughs> we resist the siren song of our future pop overlord and our brainwashed horde by skipping the theater this week. That's right. We stayed home and it was glorious. We keep this spooky season rolling with the latest installment from the VHS found horde Blah, 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 blah. Found footage horror anthology with VHS 1985. And then we take a hard right and to a completely different kind of creepy with four Wes Anderson short films based on the writings of Roald Dahl. As always, we break down the big releases on physical media, give you our streaming and straight to DVD picks of the week, then wrap it all up with Call It. So pop in the tape, adjust the tracking, and let's hear a little bit of VHS 85. You're a good kid. Okay, so why don't you just tell us where you got these videotapes from? Last year we bought a new video recorder. I wanted a beta one because it looks better, but... Beta does not look better. He bought a VHS one anyway since it was cheaper. Okay, so your father bought a video recorder for the house and you used it. Yeah, like, all the time. I started by looking up late-night movies and shows and TV Guide, because that's when the best stuff comes on, so... I started recording it, um, mostly horror movies, music videos, stuff like that. Then a few months ago, I started seeing these other things on the screen. At first, they were just different color flashes, but... After a few weeks, I could see images, and... I recognized them. You recognize them from where? From my dreams. Matt VHS is back. The, uh, I guess, Shutter Run series of anthology films at this point returns this time with VHS 85. It is the found footage anthology series that has been chair squeak uh i think mostly consistent yeah 
mean, it's 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 consistently entertaining. Yes, there's been some really standout episodes or or tales in it as well. I must say, Matt. So let's break it down. What is VHS eighty five all about? Mm, well, I, I find it hard to break down what it's all about on a whole. Essentially, this is the first 80s entry of the numbered or the yeared VHS films. The first one was, I think, 99, then 94, now 85. Or seem to be going backwards. Are we going to get like a Super 8 and get one from 1977 or something? I don't know. But in any event, it essentially is the typical um, found footage grab bag of VHS films. This They've kind of abandoned the kind of, for the most part, the overarching story that they usually have right. in these. And it's more just spliced in with uh, time period correct commercials, some of which were 100% true. The two beer mug steins clashing together is one that I distinctly remember about driving yes. drunk. Although I think some of them are obviously not. And um, it's essentially like you found a tape in your buddy's basement. It had a bunch of recordings on it. And somebody recorded over the recording with a bunch of disturbing footage. So usually when we do these, we kind of break them down one by one. Is that what we're going to do here? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do that. I'm having issues tonight technically because I can't adjust my, your volume at all. Oh, okay. And I don't know why that is. So, um, all right, that's fine. I'll figure it out because... I'm smart-ish. <laughs> so, Matt, break down. What's the first one all about? Or do you want to do the, the framing sure. device? Sure, sure, sure. Even though it's not really a framing device. It's more just a broken up story. Right. So the air quotes framing device is called Total Copy. And it is about a team of scientists at a fictional university called Stammer University who are studying a shape-shifting being uh, that's trapped in a room uh, an 80s rec room if you will and then called it rory yeah this one i wasn't so impressed with i don't think there's much to it uh, especially the fact that it's kind of broken up as the framing device and it's interesting a lot of these are actually broken up into they kind of carry over into multiple segments mm -hmm. this one you know kind of a creature feature kind of thing of course it depends on people being stupid i don't see why they didn't just close the door after what's his face had what was coming to him and you know, I thought the gore effects when it finally got around to it was, you know, kind of cool. But otherwise, it was nothing kind of earth shattering. I thought it was just okay. Yeah, uh, it was. I'm trying to think if it was really my was it my no, it was my second to least favorite out of the group. It was uh, okay. You know, you know what is it? Tampering in nature's or the new supernatural domain mm -hmm. alien thing, whatever the case may be. You know and. Arrogance gets gets the best of you. You make some dumb mistakes, and of course, you end up paying the price. It's it was fine. Like I said, yeah, I don't know. Part of me wonders if it's since it is for me the weakest one. Yeah, if it was one of those things where I said, well, maybe we can make this a little more stress, you know, uh, not stressful but suspenseful mm -hmm. by chopping it up and having little bits and pieces. We can kind of tease what's actually happening. Yeah. I wonder if I'd watch that thing in its entirety from start to finish. I would I would have even a smaller or lesser opinion of it at yeah. that point but uh yeah i ended up uh given that one the um where are we here that is no 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 where, where am i total copy i no. give it a b minus b minus yeah i i think i'm gonna give it a c plus i think i think a lot of how it kind of works is you're not quite sure what is going to go on i mean you know what things are going to go yeah. horribly wrong uh, but i think the payoff is you know not quite worth the build up 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And then what do we have next up is... No Wake. No Wake, a group of kids. Man, I don't know. You just... You can't do this, kids. They all get together and they decide to go to the lake, have a few, have some fun, smoke a few uh, uh, spleefs, doobs, doobies, some doobies, <laughs> have some beers, and then maybe you know, have some sexy time. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of kids go out in the lake. Two of the kids stay behind, and all of a sudden, there's just they start getting sniped. Somebody just starts shooting at them, and they basically all die. Or do they? Mm. So, this one I thought was pretty interesting. The kind of focus Mm -hmm. on the kids where you can't even see really what's going on, why it's happening. You know, you kind of get the little bit of the buildup of not, you know, staying away from the lake with the signs and everything like that. I think the the violence in this one, the gore, is, is particularly well done, especially with one particular person who where they take their their particular bullet that that ends them. Yeah. And I overall I think this one is pretty successful. I I liked this one. I think, you know, I think it's kind of straightforward. You kind of know something the other shoe's going to drop when it finally does drop. It's pretty effective and it kind of keeps you guessing. The only thing if I had one complaint about it, it kind of you wait for the payoff it waits quite a bit for it to pick the payoff to kind of kind of pick back up again is where it got yeah. left off. And I don't know if you necessarily get a full comprehensive ending hmm. for their story right. as well. Right. Um, which I think is fine. This actually ended up being my favorite of the group, Matt. Hmm. Uh, like, because it really honored the time frame of that kind of 80s kind of horror film type thing. Right. About the kids going to the like. In fact, I just watched uh, last night. Uh, the fighter of the for 13, oh, Jason goes to hell. Okay. I haven't watched the underrated cut in like 20, 30 years, 20 years. I don't know however long it's been. So, uh, I just, I just have a soft spot for kids going to a lake and get murdered. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what that's about, but, uh, yeah, I just, I thought the, the chemistry amongst the cast and everything was pretty strong as well. And I like the fact that not only is it a slasher kind of, you know, with a, with a high scope rifle, whatever the case may be, but there's a supernatural aspect to it again. It does very much out of all of them kind of has, a, I think, the, the strongest kind of creep show vibe to it. So, uh, yeah, I gave that one an A-. minus. Yeah, I think I'm going to give that one an A- minus as well. I, I This one and the kind of one that pairs with it, I almost wish that they had made like a whole movie or a much longer movie a film uh, based mm-hmm. on this. Yeah. So next up then is uh, God of Death, Matt. What is that one all about? So uh, there's a Mexican news crew. They're giving a broadcast about their town that they're in. Suddenly there's an earthquake and the crew at the TV studio are trying to escape their collapsed building. And they decide to do that by going down. And they go down and down and down where they come into face-to-face with a uh, you know spirit of uh, Empire's past. Whether that's Aztec or Mayan. I'm not sure if they ever really say which one it is. But, mm-hmm. you know. As you know about the religions uh, of, of those those cultures, they uh, have some bloody beliefs. So, uh, as you can imagine, bad stuff happens. Yeah, and this one's written and directed by uh, Gigi Saul Guerrero. Uh, so, uh, I, I do enjoy her work. and It was fun to see. She actually shows up in the film as well as one of the uh, newscasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, listen... I've been squawking for a while now about seeing other cultural and a horror, yeah. you know, other stuff to kind of see other cultures. Uh, folk, so we got this Mexican folklore kind of horror story there, and 
I, it's it's mostly okay. I think it's a little too much of a retread of things we've seen in the past. Yeah. It's just now we just introduce, like you said, either Mayan or Incan god in this one instead. And but it's still people trapped in uh, and it's Aztec, an ancient Aztec god, um, the Mictalan. So it's okay. It was kind of the most rudimentary, I think, out of the bunch for me. Mm-hmm. It's still not the worst one. Okay. Uh, but even then, the worst one was still, I think, had some really great moments, and we'll talk about that. That's coming up for me. Yeah. But the cast and everything kind of felt a little amateurish uh, at times as well. And uh, but it, it's it's fine. Yeah. It, it's fine. So I don't know, man. I gave God of Death a C plus. Yeah. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I mean, I agree that it's, it's seems like the most amateurish of, of them, especially, and I don't know if it's really the director, but it's maybe the, the force of the actors and the way it, it kind of looks. And like you yeah. said, I think it's also pretty derivative of some we've seen before. It seemed, it gave me vibes a little bit of like safe haven from VHS two or mm-hmm. to Helen back from 19 or from 99, so it's kind of like it was just retreading territory that you've seen before, even in this own series. So I'm going to give that one a C. Yeah, and it has some descent vibes to it, I think, as well. Yeah. And like you said, some of the, the effects, like when they're in the ro- in, in underground and stuff, the rocks kind of splitting and stuff. It, I, I appreciate you probably had a shoestring budget, so I shouldn't complain too much. And some people did say, praised it as like one of the best ones since Safe Haven. Okay. I think it more may be one of the things where... It, it just reminded you of how good Safe Haven was. Right. So uh, then what's up next, Matt, is, uh, what is it, T-K-N-O-G-D? Mm-hmm. And uh, whose turn to talk? It's my turn, yeah. right? So there's a performance artist. Her name is Ada Lovelace, Matt, and she's doing a, a little show in a very small theater, a very small crowd. And she explains that basically that the world has, kill, world has killed God, and then we replaced him with a god of technology. And the thing is, though, as she's mocking all of that stuff, and she's—I should say—she's in kind of this super tech suit, and she's got like a a visor helmet type thing on. As you mean well. the, the iPhones? Thank you. Yes, the <laughs> iPhones. And uh, what happens is the god of technology does not like being uh, talked about that way, and manifests itself in the show uh, in the virtual world. What is it? The virtual world. Yeah. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word virtual. Yeah. I swear to God, there's something wrong with my brain. <laughs> so, and basically goes on to then subsequently torture her and cuts off her hand, cuts off her leg, does all this crazy stuff. Now, this was my least favorite of the entire series. Right. Uh, it just felt the most kind of like, I don't know if underdeveloped or just amateurish out of the bunch, yeah. really. And but I will say one thing: if they had any money on it, they clearly spent it on the gore effects, right? Because next to some of the stuff in No Wake, and then of course we're going to talk about Dream Kill in a little bit. This had the best gore effects. That scene when they pulls up the eye, the iPhones, yeah, the helmet off of her head, yeah, that was just top shelf gore. Yeah. I mean, if you're a gore hound, you need to see it at least just for that, right? Uh, as she is slowly, basically dismembered, tortured, and all this horrible stuff that happens, which is a weird sentence to say out loud. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I gave. Oh, I get it now. Tech, techno god. Yeah. T K N O G D. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. C plus, Matt. Oh no, sorry, C. I give it a C. C. 
Yeah, I'm going to continue the tradition of keeping it uh, a, a half a, a half a step lower than yours. I'm going to give it a C minus. But uh, yeah, I, it's it's very amateurish. It's a little half baked. I think it could have used some more time gestating to kind of figure out the story beats. But I'm with mm-hmm. you. The gore effects are the best and the most creative. Yet at the same time, like not like. It's not like, oh, that's so gross. I don't want to watch it. It's like, oh, man, that's kind of, that's awesome. Like, they they did a good job with that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So then uh, what's up next, Matt, is Ambrosia. What happens there? So the Wrigley family are hosting a party. The focus of the party is a young teenage girl. Uh, She has a video camera. Her creepy cousin starts filming them. And then they find out that they're a part of what appears to be some kind of murder cult called The Seven. And I'm not trying to spoil it for you, but her her murders may have occurred earlier in the film. And that's where they kind of all tie things together. I thought the concept was really cool. I, I wish we could have spent a lot more time, especially with what ended up happening. But, and the, kind of all the implications of that. But, yeah, I, I really liked what was there, but there just wasn't enough there. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I thought Ambrosia was pretty good. I like the idea of this crazy kind of cult family. Mm-hmm. You're not quite sure what exactly is about to happen. Some kind of confirmation, some quinceanera. You know, something is about <laughs> to happen where they're celebrating this girl transitioning into womanhood or adulthood, whatever the case may be. And then when you find out what happens. Now, I'm still not 100%. There's an initiating event that brings in law enforcement. I'm not 100% sure what, what that was. I'm assuming it's tied into the earlier story. Sure. That there is an anon- that they do, you know, the, some kind of call and anonymous tip or whatever the case may be. Right. I don't know. Right. But again, I'm I'm tortured by this because I want to know what happens next. Right. And I mean that's a that's a sign of a good short where you want to see more or it's a frustration where you didn't quite give us just enough information. I I, I don't know. Like you said earlier, I, it would be interesting to see a more expanded version of this and uh yeah no it's it's good uh, i i thought i thought that uh, ambrosia was fun and interesting it's um right in the middle for me uh i gave it a b okay yeah i'm gonna give this one a b plus i think the i think i really enjoyed the possibility of it and i like you said i wish there was more and that's really my my only complaint is that it left me wanting more which is a good thing but a little unsatisfying in this case I love, too, how they tease, like, oh, there's a weird member of the family. Right. There's like, a weird kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's because... And then you get the reveal of the family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, good stuff. And then I guess the last one, Matt, is Dream Kill. Then you have, I think, your your heaviest hitters. Mm. So uh, this is directed by Scott Derrickson, mm-hmm. who did the first Doctor Strange. He uh, did Black Phone. And he did, um, uh, what is it, uh, Sinister. Yeah. Right, and the exorcism of Emily Rose. He then also written by uh, C. Robert Cargill. So this one for me, it's basically, oh, what is it about, right? Is it your turn? It's your turn. Home invasion thrower, basically. Mm -hmm. All right, there's the cops are hunting down the serial killer. He breaks from these people's house, sneaks into people's houses, and then just goes on to mutilate them. And it's really disturbing. And it gives off very heavy kind of maniac, classic kind of maniac, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer vibes. Right. It is exceptionally graphic at times. When we shift to the killer's point of view, when we're watching the VHS, that's in fact the clip you heard at the beginning of this. Uh, it, it's it. The film shifts into this almost kind of nightmare 
of off kilter visuals and colors and it's like i said you're you're i guess because you're you're viewing this kid's dreams that he's captured on vhs Mm. and i think they do a great job of capturing that and it's for me the most disturbing out of all of them it's the one that made me kind of recoil Mm -hmm. it's the one that made me go like oh dear god this is not good this i mean like isn't disgusting and unsettling kind of way but i don't know if they stick the landing okay what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I think I appreciate the fact that uh, Derrickson is trying to kind of neatly wrap it up. It's not trying it's not left open-ended like a lot of these are. So it maybe it is a little too pat, but mm. I think everything that kind of comes before it, I think is, you know, the most effective thing here. So I'm willing to forgive it that kind of small if you can call it sin of of trying to kind of give you a tidy ending in this you know whatever ended up being 10 15 minute film yeah okay um i'm looking at my scores and uh oh i see why okay yeah yeah. so i gave dream kill a b plus okay yeah i think i'm gonna give dream kill an a minus i think when it's when it's on it's i think the most effective yeah yeah you're probably right about that would you would you give it overall i think I really enjoyed myself while I was watching it, and honestly, I really hope this series continues because I had some nice little diversion treat uh, to kind of mm-hmm. run through these. Um, I'm gonna give it a B plus. I think it's it's quite good. Yeah, I have it as a B, so uh, I'm right there with you. It's they they do have an un, I guess there's one planned for uh, next year. Okay, and that's great. I do love having these kind of. Listen, we're on the record of being big fans of horror anthologies. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we're, yeah, we're both happy that these keep being churned out. Keep them coming. And I like, too, that we got no disrespect to their people, but we get kind of really some heavy hitters on this one with Scott Derrickson and Cargo. So I'd like to see. That'd be fun, too, if you had, like, it's an amalgam of, like, up-and-coming filmmakers right. and stuff. And then you get, like, one, you know, big name kind of come, like, carpenter or something like comes down and, and it makes one of these shorts too in there i think that'd be a fun little yeah mike flanagan takes treat. a break from netflix to come down and do one yeah exactly have you watched house of usher yet paul i haven't seen it i, I have really not good, though, i have again. not no i haven't seen i it. haven't seen i haven't seen any of his shows on netflix yet and i know they're all supposed to be really good yeah so the the first the first season of the haunting of hill house was a lot was a lot of fun i like that i like the midnight mass one I thought that was a mm-hmm. really cool little like self-contained thing. I think those are the only two of his that I've watched. Okay, what's the other one? Like Blind Manor or something like that? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. It's like the yeah one of them is like a second season of the Haunting of Hill House, but it's completely different. It's like it's it's just a completely different thing. It's not related at all. Fair enough. All right, folks. If you had a chance to see VHS eighty five, it is currently streaming on Shutter. Would love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, I have three different beverages here. None of them alcoholic. Mm. What should I hit next? I have water, I have seltzer, and then I have a Zevia vanilla cola. What would you recommend? I would go with the vanilla cola. I mean, you need to get that out of the way before yeah, before you start heading up for bed. Crack that one open. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. There you go. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's keep rolling, Matt. Spend a few minutes talking about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday. That is October... 24th. Uh, 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 Mr. Price, I'm Kermit, and these are my friends, and we've got a show called Manhattan Melodies that we think you're going to want to produce on Broadway. It's all about a couple of kids that come to New York City to get married, and it opens with a great number. It goes like this. Just 
idea. Well, it's all about life in the big city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big city, huh? Mm-hmm. Like cops, shootings, car chases, that kind of thing. Well, no, no, no shooting stuff. It's more like songs and dances. Mm-hmm. Songs and dances? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be interesting. Nobody cares about shootings anyway. What do you think about them? Big name stars? Well, well, actually, we're going to be the stars. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was about to say. Huh? You be the stars. Mm-hmm. Unknowns. Mm-hmm. Songs. Dances. Mm-hmm. Shootings. Mm-hmm. No, no, no shootings. Mm-hmm. You know what? Huh? I smell something. Why does everyone always blame dogs? No, no, what I smell is a hit. For what? A hit. You, you, you mean? Absolutely. I'd be proud to produce your show. <gasps> Fellas, you're going to be on Broadway. I, Matt, I feel like at some point we should do like a Dabney Coleman marathon. He's one of my favorite under son. Not that people don't know who he is, but, you know, I've always loved everything I've seen him in. Yeah, I was like, is that Dabney Coleman as I was listening to his voice? Somehow, I haven't seen that. It's not like he's like super famous and it's not like he really has a distinctive voice, but I yeah. recognized who he was as soon as he started talking. So, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, Matt, is being released in 4K this upcoming Tuesday. So, there you go. I don't think any of the other, other movies in 4K. I don't think yeah, I so. don't know. That's weird that they went with Manhattan as opposed to the Muppet movie, which is vastly superior. Yeah, yeah. That is bizarre. I don't get that. Number five! I hit the button, but it didn't work. I had to hit it again. Oh! Not good. All right, number five, Matt. I'm going to go. I think we talked about it before. It was released on Blu-ray, but now it's in 4K. The Toxic Avenger Collection is getting is also being now, as I said, in 4K with new introductions of each film from Lloyd Kaufman, commentaries, uh, a collectible Toxic Avenger postcard, and more. You get the underrated director's cut of the first film. And, well, I guess you get underrated director's cut of every one of them. So that includes one, part two... Uh, the Last Temptation of Toxie Part 3, and um, what else we have here? Uh, Citizen Toxie, which is a Toxic Avenger Part 4. You get, But then if you got the 4K set, you do get Blu-rays as well. So there you go if you're a Toxic Avenger fan. Now, I will say there have been reports out there of, of disc reading issues with this set. Mm. So um, buyer beware. You may want to sit a little bit, kind of see how that all shakes out, because you don't have to do any returns. And i got to be straight with you. No disrespect to Trome Entertainment and all. I don't know how great they're going to be on sending out replacement discs and getting that kind of taken <laughs> care of. So, what's next? Again, I hit it, man. It doesn't go. Four. Everything is not working. I still haven't figured out my volume issue yet here. Everything is like blasting in my ears. Number four is uh, we're going to go MIG 2, The Trench, which is actually already on HBO Max if you don't want to drop the dime for it. Walmart has a steel book for the Blu-ray. Best Buy has a steel book for the 4K. Includes a Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos track, and then two making of featurettes. Are you? Uh, did you ever see the Make Two yet? I uh, haven't. No? no, I have not watched it. I thought about watching it the other night, but I ended up putting on uh, Jason Goes to Hell instead. Fair so. enough. I don't know if that was the right decision. Get three coffins ready. Huh? Matt, I have picked this up. I'm very excited. I haven't watched it yet. Maybe I'll try to this weekend. Uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead is getting its standard release on Blu-ray. I think it's from Severn. I should probably just stand up and look. I have the case right over there. And uh, it was previously released in a steelbook. A brand new restoration of the film. A couple audio commentaries. Three of them, in fact. A feature-like documentary exploring the history of Spanish zombie films. Um, 
a bunch of interesting other stuff to include the alternate U.S. opening sequence and uh, more. And there's a Blu-ray that comes, a second Blu-ray, which has the reiterated U.S. theatrical cut of the film. But the first one actually ha- obviously has the original Spanish cut. I've always been a big fan of Tombs of the Blind Dead. Have you ever seen it? I have not seen it, no. Basically, it's the the Knights Templar made some kind of deal for eternal life by drinking human blood and committing kind of blood sacrifices and killing folks. And now they come back as, you know, weird zombies who don't have any eyes. They're basically walking kind of skulls. I just cool, weird, creepy little film. So they put out a set probably 20 years ago that was really cool for the DVDs where it was basically, a, they were all in a coffin. Mm. It's like a little mini coffin. Okay. And I'd always kicked myself for not buying it, but then at the time I didn't really have the extra cash either. I think it was like a hundred bucks. And I'm like, I just can't afford that. Yeah. So, uh, but now you can pick up the standard edition of Tombs of the Blind Dead, which is 27 bucks, 20, you know, and that steel book was like 50 or 60, which I just was, I was not going to do that. No disrespect there, but I, I couldn't do it. And where we are here, Matt, number two. Looks like we're shy of one horse. <laughs> you brought too, too many. So I got my copy of this already as well. Don't tell anybody. But Messiah of Evil, Matt is being released. It is a, about a woman who arrives in a sleepy seaside town after receiving some unsettling letters from her father, yeah. only to discover that the town is under the influence of a strange cult that weeps tears of blood and hunger for human flesh. A brand new 4K restoration on that film from the best surviving film elements, audio commentary, archival interviews. The limited edition version comes with an 80-page booklet and is uh, set to only have 3,000 copies. It's already sold out, I guess. I was very lucky to get my hands on one of these. Nice. Now, I will confess, I have never seen it. <laughs> but I've heard nothing but good things about it. It's one of the kind of lost 80s horror films. And it's supposed to supposedly all about kind of just atmosphere and very creepy and unsettling. And I just love those kind of films. So I took a flyer on it, got a good deal on it. So I was very happy about that. I'll watch it and I'll report back. Maybe that's what I should watch since I've already seen Tombs of the Blind Dead. Where are we? Number one? There can be only one. Matt Criterion is putting out a 4K restoration. You can get it by also if you just want it in blue. I don't know why you would do that. Uh, of The Others, the uh, great Nicole Gidman uh, ghost story. Mm-hmm. I've uh, pre-ordered this. I'm very excited to get that. It includes a new 51-minute making of uh, looking back at the others and more but i haven't seen this thing since it came out in the theaters and i remember being really blown away by it uh are you a fan of the others i remember being very disappointed by it when it came out so maybe i need to give it another shot i think i got it on dvd around here somewhere yeah all right all right also coming up on 4k cujo mm-hmm. from kino lorber red dragon is being released as the edward norton okay. one uh, Decision to Leave. This is the uh, film from last year we really, really liked. They came with a Blu-ray about nine, ten months ago. Well, there's a 4K of it now. Uh, Godzilla 98 mm. is being released in 4K. That's the Matthew Broderick one. Godard's Contempt is being released. Black Sabbath is being released. The 60th anniversary. But do not buy it because it's the AIP cut. Now, uh, Black Sabbath is, again, one of my favorite horror anthologies features Boris Karloff. There's the uh, English version, which is a little longer and a little creepier and also has kind of a little more blood and it has the kind of... There's a, there's a lesbian kind of relationship context to one of the stories mm-hmm. that was completely excised okay. from the U.S. cut of the film. Yep. Uh, it kind of loses some of the impact of that story. So uh, I 
I wouldn't buy the AP cut. I'm just telling you, just stick with the, uh, the, the UK version if you can. And then that Paramount Scare set, Matt, we talked about a while ago, mm-hmm. is finally coming out. Included Rosemary's Baby, Baby Pet Cemetery, Crawl, Smile, and a fifth film that was a surprise. Well, they've rele- they announced what the fifth film is. What is it? Sweeney Todd, the Johnny Depp movie. Oh, uh, boo. Yeah, so I was like less than pleased or impressed about that. Uh, I wasn't going to pick it up anyway, but still. Uh, <laughs> now you're really not going to pick it up. <laughs> I'm really not going to. So you're straight to DVD pick, Matt. I'm going to go with Lycan Colony Visual Vengeance. A disgraced alcoholic surgeon moves with his family to a small town in New Hampshire. Unknown to them, the entire town is populated with werewolves. Some good and others very evil. They soon find themselves thrust into an ancient mystical battle between the wolf packs that will change their family forever. Oh, boy. It reads for F-U-R forever. (laughs) Now, this release includes, this limited release includes a Rift Tracks version of the film. Ooh. So now I'm wondering, (laughs) this may actually be worth picking up. Nice. So, uh, yeah, what should we be streaming this week, Matt? So I'm going to recommend the recent uh, slasher throwback, Totally Killer. That's available on Amazon Prime. It is a, again, a loving homage to 80s slashers with a little bit of time travel thrown in. And uh, it's actually a horror comedy that even the stuff that I thought was going to get old, like the main character who's from obviously the 2020s her sensibilities being applied to the 80s i thought it was going to get really old uh, as far as like around the social stuff and i actually thought it was still pretty funny no matter how many times they still made the joke so it's got some decent gore uh it's got some decent suspense it's it's got a, an homage to all of the kind of ridiculousness in 80s slashers how everybody's all sect, sexed up and vapid and idiotic and makes dumb decisions and it's it's actually pretty fun not i wouldn't say it's groundbreaking or great or anything but if you're into that kind of thing check it out you'll enjoy it nice so uh, a couple things i got my megan steel book i'm going to show it to you now okay and i was all excited but remember i told you it's got like a little booklet kind of like instructions and stuff sure it's missing right it doesn't have one yeah Right. There isn't one. Okay. There isn't one. Oh, it didn't. Oh, so they they lied to you. Well, it's my own fault. I'm an idiot. But if you look at it, see, it's it's like in the package. Ah, uh, gotcha. So it looks like there's one there, but there really isn't. Gotcha. Because it really, you couldn't really just put together a user manual, right. really. Right. You know. You know what though? It's my fault because it's Best Buy, and they announced that they're exiting the physical media market in 2024. They are entirely. What? Yes. yes. What are you? What is Best Buy even for then? Um, TVs, uh, appliances, computers. Man, phones, now I'll never, now I'll really never go into Best Buy. I know it's been pretty sad to be. I went to my local Target. They this week, movies are gone. I mean, it's it's been shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. I think now I had like basically the size of a bookcase. Yeah, it's of stuff. Ours, the one that I go to, is it's very, very small, and it's actually in the back. The books and the vinyl are in front of it, like in the front yep. of the section. Yep. And there were kids, all kinds of kids, shopping at the vinyl, and the Blu-rays are kind of pushed to the back. Like even Walmart, I think, sad as it is to say, I think is the has the biggest physical media selection. Are we? Are we holding holding a candle for something that's doomed, Chris? Is this is this? No, no. It's gonna. You know what it is. It's I'm people like me because I don't think you're as invested as I am with this stuff, Mm-mm. or just screwed. 
because what's going to happen is it's just going to shift to boutique retail retailers. That's all it's going to be. Right. So it'll be Amazon, which then of course will start raising their prices once everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have your your Grindhouse videos. You're going to have your Diabolic DVDs. You're going to have your Orbit DVD. And then we got and I got and then you'll have these little mom and pop stores like Viper Video here in Tampa. Yeah. And there's an archive in Connecticut you have, which is Vinegar Syndrome store. They have an, another one in um oh where is it? Is it Colorado? I'm blanking on where it is, but that's what it's going to be. So you're going to, we're going to end up spending $50 to pick up, you know, something in physical media yeah. at some point. Yeah. And there'll be stuff like, I'm sure, well, no, Iger with Disney, he said, no, you can make money on physical media. So they, they were shifting away from that. But once he took over again at Disney, yeah. he put that back into place. Yeah. So hopefully that will continue. But um, yeah, I don't know. There will be, it's just going to shift. Mm-hmm. It's going to become more of a niche item, kind of like final, right? I guess. Right. And we'll pay a premium for stuff, and that'll be that. So we talked a few weeks ago uh, about me picking up the Exorcist in 4K, and I told you I probably wasn't going to do it until I got a good price. Well, that quick, huh? Well, <laughs> here's the thing: I got a coupon from my buddy at Viper Video, okay, for 10 percent off. Okay. So I'm like, let me. You know what? And it was going to expire, and I'm like, let me just go in there and pick it up. I read enough reviews where they say enough of the film is improved. So I went and got it. So now I have that. And then here, right here, and it's loose in the canister, and I'm very upset about it. Yeah. I just got today from Best Buy, is a steel book of 4K of The Wicker Man. Oh, nice. Now, the original one, not the uh, not the bees Wicker Man. But it has its own set of charms. So, but I'm very concerned because I didn't want to spend the $100 or the $80 for the big, big set from the UK. Right. And the, you can also spend like 50 and get all three films in 4K. This one just has the final kind of cut on it in 4K. I have Blu-rays of the other two cuts. And I'll be honest with you, that final cut, I think, is the best version mm-hmm. of Wicker Man. So that's the one I'm going to watch anyway. Okay. So, and it's a steel book from Best Buy. And... Uh, it's cool. It looks cool. I mean, I know it's not opened yet, if you watch the video stream at all, but it's still it's good. But I'm nervous about the rolling. There's a loose disc. Yeah. And I hate that so much. Thankfully, these discs are, you know, they have some kind of seal protection on them, so they don't really damage that, that easily. Not like they used to. Yeah, no. So, all right, I've talked enough. It's Matt's week to edit. I'm making this very difficult for him. <laughs> Let's go ahead and keep rolling and talk about uh, Wes Anderson's Roll Doll short films that are currently available on Netflix. Well, here we are now in the hut where I write. I've been in this hut for 30 years now. Well, it's important. Uh, Before I start, I like to make sure I have everything around me that I'm going to need. Um, Cigarettes, of course. Some coffee, chocolates. And always make sure I have a sharp pencil before I start. I have six pencils, and then I like to clean my writing board. So many bits of rubber. There. And then finally one starts. And so, usually a few corrections needed. Henry Sugar was 41 years old, unmarried and rich. He was rich because he had a rich father who was now dead. He was unmarried because he was too selfish to share any of his money with a wife. 
He was six feet two inches tall and not perhaps as handsome as he thought he was. Sounds a little bit like me. Matt, <laughs> we're talking about now Wes Anderson's adaptations of four Roald Dahl uh, stories. Mm-hmm. The first one I watched, I think, was The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. It's also the longest. It runs about 40, uh, about 40 minutes. The other three are 17 minutes, rough, rough, roughly, more or less. And I think it's the perfect one to start with because, A, it has that introduction. So Ray Fiennes basically plays Roald Dahl mm-hmm. uh, in, in this, but he also shows up as in other roles. And in fact, I guess one of the most interesting things about this is that we have a very kind of tight-focused cast here that we reuse for every one of these films. Right. They all kind of show up. And uh, I don't know, you want to do like we did with VHS? Sure. Go through them one at a time? Sure, sure. All right, so we'll start with The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. I'll be honest with you, I am not... I don't. I know I read a bunch of Roald Dahl when I was a kid, but I'll be danged if I can remember any of it, independent of the witches. Yeah. And I think too. Uh, I was one of the interesting things is that he only wrote two screenplays in his life. Do you know what two films those were? I don't. First was both Ian Fleming adaptations. One was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Okay. And the other was he wrote You Only Live Twice. Oh wow! The James Bond film. Wow, it's crazy. So there you go. All right, so. This one tells a story, again, of Henry Sugar, who is, it's a pseudonym, Matt, for a very super rich, super dude. And he becomes obsessed with this yogi's ability to basically, what, see Mm -hmm. with, uh, I think his eyes kind of bandaged or see without his eyes. And he discovers a way to kind of maybe get super rich uh, by gambling, by doing this. And then he has an epiphany and he ends up, you know, what? Donating all of his money to charities and taking care of people and stuff. It and it's it was good, Matt. I, I I thought it was. I think for me it was. I I vacillate back and forth between this one and the Swan as being my favorite. Okay. Um, but I, I, this one I think is it's really well done. I think here's the problem is that my thoughts on these films are universal amongst all of them it's not like because they're not as different like the vhs 85s are Mm -hmm. right where they're different stories these are since everything is done by wes anderson it's all the same cast i have trouble kind of spiking out differences in what i liked and didn't like so much about them because they're also they're they're all so uniform uh in i think i'm gonna use the word in their excellence right i think they're all exceptionally strong and what about you? Maybe you can lead me in the right direction. What are your thoughts on the wonderful story of Henry Sugar? Yeah, I think so. I think I will say this: I wasn't sure what to expect, and I knew there were Roald Dahl films or films based on Roald Dahl stories. I expected to get, you know, I knew I know what to expect from Wes Anderson generally. However, I think one he scaled back a good amount of his whimsy it's it doesn't seem to have quite the same kind of even though they're based on uh, you know a children's author a children's author who is notoriously curmudgeon probably didn't like children that much and is maybe not uh a a cool uh person but i i guess it just felt it it didn't feel quite as I don't know, for lack of a better term, because I can't think of anything twee as a normal Wes Anderson film is. But I think the thing that really threw me off is that these are told, right? There's very little adaption of the action. It's all kind of, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is sitting there and he's rapid fire telling you the story or Ray Fiennes or um, Dev Patel or whoever else. And 
at first I found that really jarring. I wasn't really on board with that. And I was kind of hoping, I was kind of really? seeing how they were going to change and they didn't. And I finally kind of got on its same wavelength and I ended up enjoying myself. I think universally they are really good, which is interesting that you say the Swan is your favorite. It was probably, that one was probably my least favorite. And I don't, I don't mm. know why, maybe because even with a bunch of minimal storytelling, that's like the most of the minimal storytelling because it's really almost exclusively told. Most of the characters in it yeah. don't show up at all. Um, so I think that was my least favorite one. Although I could see why it could be somebody's favorite. I think for the most Wes Anderson-y, I would go with probably the rat catcher. Um, Hmm. But that was my least favorite of it. I, well, I don't know if it was my least favorite. I think it's the most Wes Anderson like. That's what you would expect out of a what to get out of these kind of films. But yeah. overall, I think they're all quite good, and they all offer you something. Yeah, I think Ratchet Catcher is just least successful for me. It's the oddest and the darkest out of all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just a, a sign of its success. It was how kind of I found that how it kind of off putting and uncomfortable which is fine and dull stuff too. A lot of the stuff that this was adapted from is for more of an older child audience from what I understand. Mm-hmm. These were not books. These were not stories for little kids. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. I don't know, man. I, it's, I think one of the things I was really impressed with, with this is how self-contained they all are. I think that it's now one of the things I wonder if you struggle with is it has a very staged play like mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. To what you are not a fan of, and then that feel I think is supported by the just like you said the copious narration. Yeah, each one of these has that. Do you think that may have been part of your? Um, I don't know. It sounds like you you enjoyed them, but yeah, I did. I think, but it wasn't. Again, I was looking more for like an adaption, right? But this is like like Chris said, it's like you go to an off 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 Broadway play, and even instead of it being acting, it's like the director standing up there telling you what's happening while they sort of pantomime in the in the background. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's a, a definitely a choice, and I think I think it's an interesting choice. I just don't know if I was a hundred percent on board with it. Like I can't imagine these are going to be an oddity in Wes Anderson's films for me. Like I don't know. Like, if I ever sat down and said, like, I'm just going to watch all of Wes Anderson's films, I would probably be least excited to watch these again. That's just, I, I wonder when I was watching this, this is what he's best suited for, mm. these short adaptations. Because I thought they all played out really well and were very engaging. I think I think they were more successful some of his later work has been. Mm. Uh, definitely think more so than The French Dispatch. I think I would still really like The Asteroid City. But it's... Though I guess French Dispatch was basically a collection of short stories and a short little vignettes in a way as well, right? Yeah. But I think I don't know. There's some other interesting things too. Like this cast is uniformly basically male. Yeah. And we're focusing on he's telling stories about people making conscious choices, I think, to examine the decisions that they make, be they boys or men, and whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. And he brings us into it as well as an audience member because he breaks the fourth wall uh, quite a few times while throughout each one of these films. And I don't know what it was. I know maybe that's part of why I found it so engaging. I also would say too, one thing that really adds to the charm of this thing is the props and set handling. Mm. Everything feels very confined, but open 
and it's as things shift as our characters go from like one room to another and you see the doors and the walls lift up and separate and move away and then some new things come in and connect and uh, it was so charming and endearing and dare I say magical I couldn't help but smile like every time it happened or when someone had to have a prop handed to him like a little door on the side would open and someone would hand it to him type, you know it's just <laughs> wonderful little moments like that and I just really enjoyed them I don't I don't know I'm gonna stay right now for the wonderful story of Henry Sugar I give that one a B plus yeah I think I'm gonna give that one a B plus as well. So then, what we have the rat catcher, yeah, and that one is about just a rat the, catcher, yeah, right, yeah. And the, but there was, there's a weird thing where he's able to stop and kill the rats even just by looking at them. Yeah, it seems like it implies mm. that he's some kind of rat himself or, or something like that. He certainly looks the part yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I thought that again. I thought that was the weirdest of them and i think it was Certainly the weirdest i i was on that wavelength that seemed like a really suit wes anderson style so i'm gonna give that one a b i i enjoyed the rat catcher although chris less so obviously well as i said my least successful but that's the exact grade i gave it as well as mm-hmm. a b okay and then what we have next is the swan right which is oh that was the third a... one i watched that one last oops oh did you yeah. i watched poison last okay continue that's interesting yeah I think what it was is I was the most familiar. I recalled Poison, so I wanted to keep that one to the end gotcha. for myself. Okay. But um, we have the swan where there's a bully that basically um, tortures and beats up this kid. He shoots a bird. He has him go up and he tells him to jump off. He's, it's a whole, just basically this little kid being tortured. Um, but they, what happens, in a, what I read online supposedly is not in the original story, is that the narrator was revealed to be the kid. Right. Um, which I guess is not in there. Um, so I know there's a simplicity to it about the nature of boys and how they can be re- just really cruel. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm not quite sure what it was, Matt, but this one kind of, maybe it's because I was bullied as a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but uh, I know that's not surprising to you. Uh, but still, yeah, I, I don't know. This one kind of touched me and I thought their performances in that one were really interesting and it was the one that kind of sucked me in the most so that's why i gave the swan a b plus as well but it's like sugar would be like a 87 and this swan would be like an 88 89 gotcha yeah i think i'm gonna give this one a high b minus like uh, i said before i think my biggest issues with it is are it's very it, in a series of films that are focused on telling and monologue that's like all there is on this it's like one actor the main storyteller the the narrator and then his younger self and that's it like even the bullies don't even make an appearance in these in this short yeah and then uh finally we had poison what's poison all about man so benedict cumberbatch is in still colonial india he wakes up and he's got a very poisonous snake wrapped on his stomach underneath his book and he's desperate for help and dev patel is desperate to try and help him There you go. And Kingsley shows up again as well as the doctor. And I thought this was an interesting one because it's a way to acknowledge that Dahl was a bit of a racist. Just a bit. I don't think we get into the anti-Semitism stuff at all. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't think, but uh, yeah, there is a moment when Cumberbatch's character basically lets r- rip uh, a, ra- a racist tirade against the Doctor. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I this was probably the one I was second. I don't know. I was I was a little disappointed in this one because this was a story I remembered, and I was really looking forward to it. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, that was that was okay. That was good. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I was kind of built. I built it up too much in my head ahead of time going into it. But I ended up giving Poison a B, Matt. Yeah, I think I'm going to give Poison a low B. All right. So we're basically the same except for Swan, mm. which I get a B plus, you gave a B minus, and we're identical for everything else. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Would you su- suggest watching them in any specific order? I think you should start with Henry Sugar for sure. Yeah. What would you th- Would you turn it? Yeah, you- I, think, I think it's smart especially with the kind of melancholy that's in the swan, that that's the one you should end with. Mm. Because the other two are much more of a, they're much more have a bit of a humorous tone to it. It's a kind of a, a comedy of errors kind of thing going on, despite the way poison ends with the kind of blurting out of, of racial slurs and the kind of, you know, the ugliness of, of English, you know, colonial English, uh, rule and stuff like that but i think ultimately for the most part that one is played up for kind of comedic tension whereas i think swan is a much more philosophical story that i think you should end on that there you go i would agree with that as well uh, all of these films are currently streaming on netflix if you had a chance to see them shoot us an email at feedback at the we'd love to hear your thoughts all right, it's getting late. Let's get everybody to bed. Let's close out the show, Matt, for a quick round of call it. I only have 32 options. Here we go. Well, some of you may have figured out we're not home yet. We're only halfway there. What? Mother's interrupted the course of our journey. What? Yeah. She's programmed to do that should certain conditions arise. They have. Like what? Seems she has... Intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. She got us up to check it out. A transmission? Out here? Yeah. What kind of a transmission? Acoustical beacon that uh, repeats at intervals of 12 seconds. SOS. I don't know. Human? Unknown. I think why that alien film works so well, Matt, is uh, the script is fantastic. And everybody there feels... They're just regular, you know, regular Joes working a job and everything feels very authentic and and like they're just clocking in, clocking out. And it's just a very human feel to that entire cast and they're all their interactions with each other. And I think that's one of the reasons why that thing is so successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fidi Alvarez has a rough cut of his alien film that Ridley Scott has seen and he says is effing great. Right. And he can't wait for people to see it. So... Well, I hope so because I got I I was on the Fidi Alvarez train after Evil Dead, and that uh, just breathe film don't I breathe. thought was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, don't breathe, thank you. And but that girl kicked a hornet's nest film, that was not good. Mm-hmm. And I think that screams studio interference on that one. So I am kind of curious. But Matt, my callouts are all. I'm giving you two horror films from every decade. I'm going from the 70s to the teens, oh, wow. the 10s or whatever. Wow. You got to choose one as we go, all right? Wow, okay. Each one of those I'm going to do. So we'll start with 1970, I guess. Well, the 70s. The Exorcist or Alien. Wow. That's rough. That's real rough. I think 
Exorcist is more of a watershed moment, and I think it's a very scary, effective horror film. One that was nominated for Best Picture, which I think be one of the few that ever had. But without Alien, I don't get Aliens, so I have to go with Alien. Hmm. I th- I go back and forth on this one. I because I think I even said last week that Exorcist I think is one of the best films that's been made. Yeah. I think it, it it is exceptional, but Alien is too. It is. But I think Alien has a higher rewatch value exactly. than Exorcist does. I mean, I'll watch Exorcist basically every year, especially now I got that 4K. I'll be popping that in soon. But I'll watch Alien probably three times a year. Yeah. Uh, so I think I just because of that, just view count, I probably have to go with Alien. Though I do think Exorcist is a better film. I agree, but do I? Well, I think yeah. I think it is, but Alien. If Exorcist one, Alien is like one A, and it's infinitely more watchable. It's a lot more fun. You have to be in, in a on the same vibe as Exorcist. You have to be ready for it, kind of thing. Yeah, that is a as you said before. You used the word before somber affair, morose. And Alien, it's just a big haunted house movie in space. Right, right. So, right. All right, what do you got for me? All right, um, so we're going to do a quick rundown since in honor of our latest anthology. I'm going to give you a series of anthologies, films, or television shows, and you tell me which one you're keeping, which one you're jettisoning, okay? Okay. VHS or Creepshow? I would keep VHS at this point, I think. Agreed. I think it's better than Creepshow. All right, so VHS or Tales from the Crypt? Tales from the Crypt. Mm, Okay. And then lastly... As an 80s kid, Tales from the Crypt or Tales from the Dark Side? I did like me some Tales from the Dark Side. I know you did. That's some awesome. That is, that it was, uh, guys, I cannot explain to you when that narration and the the music came on. I was like, hell yes, when I was a kid, when it was, when it was and, about to come and on. The, the, the scene shifts. Yeah, to negative. Color interpolates or goes yeah. negative. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um. Wow. I think this might be sacrilege. I'm going to go Tales from the Dark Side, I think, on that. Okay. A lot of Tales from the Crypt had a kind of, of a humorous bent to them they a lot did. of times. Yeah. The little winking at you. I think Tales of the Crypt was more consistently kind of scare or uh, just sinister. But they were ah, but they were broadcast or cable TV. Right. So Yeah, it's tough. So what about what was the other one? Monsters? Tales from the Dark Side or Monsters? I didn't really watch Monsters. Okay. I was also a big Friday the Thirteenth series fan. But that was that was an anthology though. I mean, it had the same characters, and they all kind of had to do a Monster of the Week kind of thing. No, it wasn't. An, yeah, no, it wasn't an anthology yeah. per se. No, right, it was a Monster of the Week. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'll go Dark Side. Yeah, I think as formative and as foundational as Tales from the Dark Side is, I think I got to go with Tales from the Crypt because they could just get away with a hell of a lot more on HBO. Yeah. You got a lot more nudity there. A lot more nudity. A lot in the impressionable per- teen Matt. <laughs> the, well, teen. <laughs> it would have been like preteen Matt. Um, the rude. Well, <laughs> I'm just telling it like it is. Uh, they. Uh, I, I will say though. Also, I mean, you know, Tales from the Crypt did not have a big budget, but it had more of a budget than Tales from the Dark Side too. So they were more effective in the the effects department That's as well. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. What about The Hitchhiker? Did you ever watch The Hitchhiker? Yeah, I, I caught it a couple times. I mean, I watched the hell out of Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters, but I don't remember catching that much about The Hitchhiker. There is a YouTube. I think I may have sent this to you a while mm. ago. I could see if I... I think I still follow it. There's a YouTube channel 
they've uploaded all the Hitchhiker episodes. Nice. And they have a bunch of Amicus horror anthologies on there. Yeah. They have, um, I think they have Monsters. They have like all of those shows are on there. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the quality obviously isn't super great because it's, you know, their riffs rips off of broadcast TV or VHS. Yeah. But looks good. And it's one of the only places you can see them. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, you have to send it to uh, me again. I, I, I think you did send it to me, but I don't think I saved it. Yeah, I went through. I think I blew through the first two seasons of Hitchhiker. And then I just kind of fell <laughs> off because of, you know, life. Uh, 1980, Matt. Nightmare on Elm Street or Evil Dead? Don't give me any shit. I know Evil Dead was made in 79, but it didn't come out till 81. Sure. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, hands down. I think it's the best. Uh, I, I, of those kind of, I even hesitate to call Nightmare on Elm Street a slasher, but I think, I think the, the, some of the scenes in, in Nightmare on Elm Street are just fantastic. I think there's just some stuff that's just still so creepy and it still just holds up so well. Evil Dead is, again, foundational. It's great, but even with the after trail. So I gotta tell you, Nightmare on Elm Street maybe had one or two more good movies. I have yet to see a bad Evil Dead film. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess if we're using the rules of the game where like it's gone forever kind of thing, I, mm-hmm. I guess I'd have to go with Evil Dead. But if you're just talking about just those two movies, I'm definitely taking Nightmare on Elm Street over the original Evil Dead because you're getting basically evil dead redo in evil dead 2 i mean and it's just done more and better would there be a, har- a harder just call for you for the eight for an 80s horror film then i would just well a harder call for me not really because i'm on record i would jettison yeah basically any of the nightmare or friday the 13th for evil dead i would jettison any Halloween besides the first one same thing with Nightmare on Elm Street I mean that's really the only one of those franchises that you pick that I I think is an actually good in its own right film yeah plus Halloween was what 78 and uh Friday the 13th was 79 was it okay yeah so I was I've been rewatching those too yeah Uh, like I said I watched Jason goes I watched part one in my 4k the other night it looks great yeah and then uh I started part two but anyway all right what do you got um all right so see uh hold on okay so i'm gonna run down a bunch of comedy horror and then you have to pick it out evil dead is not on this list so i'm not gonna make you make that choice all right tucker and dale versus evil or what we do in the shadows oh i gotta go what we do in the shadows Mm. but tucker and dale is good yeah it is really good all right what we do in the shadows or happy death day shadows okay i think i'm with you there as well shadows or freaky I'm going to go Shadows again. Shadows, okay. All the way, start to finish. Okay, and then one more. Shadows or Cabin in the Woods? Same. No, I... I, I, I think Shadows is better than all those films. Yeah, I think I, I think at that point I would jettison Shadow for Cabin in the Woods because I have a real soft spot for Cabin in the Woods. I haven't seen that since it came out. I really? own it, but I haven't seen it since it came out. It's yet. a lot of fun. It's a, it's a good film. Well, then, it's I had this as an alternative for my aughts, but I'll just ask you then. Shaun of the Dead or Drag Me to Hell? For com- horror comedies. Mm. Dragon Ball Hell's got some horror comedy in it. A little bit, yeah. I think I'm going to go with Shaun-, Shaun of the Dead. I think that's a quintessential movie. I agree. All right, your real one for the 90s, Matt. Blair Witch or Scream? Oof. It cannot be overstated how big of a deal Blair Witch was. So I got to go with Blair Witch. Because that film was going in blind really before the internet was really... just still very in its infancy... Yep. You know, guerrilla marketing was just a, was a new thing. You'd never really 
you weren't kind of done to death with found footage films, like for better or worse, that kind of kicked off that trend. And as much as I like Scream, it's basically just taking a riff on stuff that you've seen before. Just It's just done really well. So I think I would have to go with Blair Witch. Agreed. It is Blair Witch. And you see that Twitter thing the other day, a few days ago, about the guy saying, listen, don't believe anybody. Nobody believed that Blair Witch was real. We all knew it was fake. Right. Let me tell you, that's not true. That's not true. I knew people who absolutely 100% thought it was real. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, good. What you got? All right. So, unfortunately, I'm getting away from the from the, the horror, uh, but I, I had to throw this out there. So, sub or dub for The Boy and the Heron? So... I'm going to throw that out there. Of subtitles. What are you talking about? You know, I'm subtitles all the way through. Right, but do you know who's doing the voice acting of... Uh, they got a lot of heavy hitters, like Florence Pugh's no. doing it, um, other Hollywood uh, actors. So which one are you going to I don't go care. With? Listen, I had to sit through... I watched Howl's Moving Castle with Christian Bale, which I thought was just bad. Mm-hmm. So no. I, and I love Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work. It didn't fit. So I would definitely go uh, subtitles all the time. All right, yeah. So I think you could lose kind of the cultural impact too, potentially. Well, so I think so. This is who's in so far. What is announced? Uh, Bale is back. Florence Pugh, Dave Bautista, Gemma Chan, Willem Dafoe, uh, Karen Fukuhara, Mark Hamill, Robert Pattinson, uh, Dan Stevens, Tony Revolori. Yeah, I think I'm going to nope. go with the, the nope. dub on this one. Nope. And here's the thing. Nope. I You can say that you get, you lose, I don't necessarily agree with it. You lose cultural, you know, what did, what did you call it? Cultural what? I don't know. It's the cultural impact. But the problem with that, if you have a, if you have a crappy translation, though, subtitles aren't going to do any good. Right. I mean... You'll lose that cultural impact, I should say, if it's a bad translation. Yeah, and I don't speak Japanese. I mean, there's if there's subtle inflections of what I'm hearing on the screen, I'm not going to pick it up, right? Because I don't, I don't speak Japanese. And honestly, even though these are all kind of Hollywood heavy hitter guys, you know, there's a whole voice acting community that are really passionate about what they do. They a lot of them do these dubs, and I think it's a disservice to those people to kind of like shit on dubs just because it's a dub. I think it brings something. I guess for the spirit of the game, I'm making you choose one or the other, but I honestly, for anybody who's out there who watches these things, I recommend that you do both, you know, watch it in subs and then watch it in dub or vice versa in, in whatever, in ever whichever way you want to do it, because there is something different that is brought to these films when you do it as a dub. It's not automatically bad, no matter what your Cheeto dust or taco friend says. And I'm not saying that's you, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I appreciate that position. I think the core, though, the first time you watch them, you should watch it the way the director and the actors originally intended to have it this, you know, portrayed to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be the original version of it, the language, literal language. I'm starting to slur my words on my <laughs> off of my uh, your vanilla soda, vanilla cola here. It's getting late. Yeah, yeah, right. All right, Matt. Ots, the Descent or Twenty Eight Days Later? Oof, I gotta go with the Descent. That movie creeps me the hell out. I mean, that is a creepy fucking movie. Agreed. I think that's the correct answer as well as The Descent. Have you watched The Descent 2 yet? No, I haven't. I need to watch that. I did. I have been watching horror films. So I watched like Henry the other day. I watched Prom Night for the first time, which is, I don't understand why people like that. I didn't like it. Second one's good in a very kind of 80s way. The second Prom Night, Hello, was it Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou? Mm -hmm. I think it's on Shudder. That's fun. I enjoy that one. And then, uh, yeah, Night of the Demons. I checked that out again. So that was fun. Cool. I don't have any right. more. That's it. I do three. That's it. Okay. All right. 
Well, I got one more and we're done. Okay. Hereditary or it follows for the tens. Oh, it follows. Not even close. Because Hereditary is a great film. I have never, I own it and I never feel like watching it. I'm like, I don't really don't want to pop that in. But it follows is not only is it really good, it's a lot of fun. That's fair. You know what? You're right about that. I think the same thing with Exorcist and Alien, Mm -hmm. right? It's not that I think those films are are as as good as those two, but. Hereditary has that same vibe where, yeah, do you want to really want to subject yourself to that <laughs> film again? Where it follows is, again, it's another one. It's a roller coaster ride of horror. Yeah. It's an actual so, suspenseful uh, film. Yeah. So, good. That's You're right. It follows is the way to go. Fun, 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 folks. Bazinga. <laughs> what would you choose? <laughs> Those options. Shoot an email feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, what's coming up next week on The Big Show? Oh, boy. Time to go to bed. Yeah, I was uh, pulling that up, and I while I sit here and vamp a little bit, I want to ask, uh, are, are if Alien Romulus comes out, are, are, are we going to get another episode of, of Screen Run with uh, going back to the Alien films? I don't... I Maybe. I don't know. I mean, John Carpenter did just do a, uh, a little anthology show, too, on, I think it's on Peacock or something? Yeah, I've watched the first couple episodes. Not what I was I expecting. I haven't seen it. Mm, um so yeah we're actually in negotiations right now in the fourth season <laughs> it's a negotiations trying to disturb we're trying to decide what we're going to do gotcha so we do know we don't want to do 15 thing 15 <laughs> films that's for damn sure but at least that was your idea so you can't put nobody to blame but yourself on that one yeah no we're one of the things we're one of the things i think is in play is sofia coppola films how many does she i've have? only seen half i've only seen half or over i think like seven six okay Man, I love uh, the Virgin Suicides. That is a never seen fucking, it. Oh, love that movie. Um, I I countered with the uh, Muppets. <laughs> That's quite some whiplash there. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, but um, or just doing Henson stuff when Jim Henson was alive. Gotcha. Okay. Which would be the three first Muppet films, and then Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. Okay, interesting. Uh, I, and I threw out some more stuff to her today. Yeah, I don't know. I got a lot going on in my life right now, too. So I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen. Sure. Like the rest of this year, depending on what happens in the next couple of weeks, we may have to even shift to one movie a week. Sure. Like there's a lot in my life right now. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, that's that's in the works. There are, dis- oh, there are discussions. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I, I really enjoy your show. Maybe because I don't participate, I just get to listen to people that I know talk about it. And I think it's a good, I think it's a cool, <laughs> it's a cool concept and I really like it. I think you guys do a good job. Although I will be, since the conceit is franchise or artist, I think you need to, if you can, pick an artist that's not a director. I know that's hard because actors make a lot of films, but you know, somebody other than a, a director necessarily. She did send the list of uh, a bunch of actors who had like uh, uh, over a level 10 or fewer films right or a writer we're looking at that writers yeah you know well we also look at themes too sure so i i think oh i also threw in um dark disney oh okay so like the stuff from the 70s yeah. and early 80s yeah, yeah, before yeah. they kind of abandoned that stuff right um i thought that might be fun and i also had this one out of thinking out of the box uh we both recommend four films to each other we what we, we we list four films that neither of the other one hasn't seen mm-hmm. but are like foundational to our love of film gotcha okay I thought that might be a little interesting. That would be fun. That well. could be fun too. You know, if you guys don't do that Dark Disney one, we should do that as a as a marathon. I think we should we should uh, keep that as our back pocket. Yeah, it was it was the Witch Mountain films. Mm-hmm. There's two of those. Yep. Um, and then something wicked this way comes, the Black Hole, yeah. Tron. Yeah. And I'm forgetting one, and I can't remember what it is. I'd have to. Look. Man, most of those except for Tron, I haven't seen since I was a kid. I can barely remember anything about them. Yeah. 
So there you go. All right. So next week, Matt, what's coming up in the big show? It uh, looks like we're getting one of the films that we both really anticipated. Killers of the Flower Moon is finally coming to theaters near us. Yeah, so that's coming up. We have a second film is TBD. We'll have to see how that shakes out. There's a lot. They said I have a lot going on, but I can guarantee you. Plus, Kills the Flower Moon coming in at a, a good three three twenty five. Matt, three hours twenty five minutes. Whew, so Marty, empty your bottles before you hit into the uh, hit into the theater. No, no uh, soda for me while I'm in there. That's real, it's real no. shame. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll talk at least about that and. I'm sure tons more fun stuff after that. In the meantime, check us out on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. You can find archives of all the old shows at thefirstrun.com. And uh, I guess that's going to be that. So, Matt, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the big show. We love you very much. Take care of yourselves. And we will see you soon. Bastards! Why are you torturing me like this? Why? <laughs>